Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat Show, wherein we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by a fighter who's won belts in two divisions, featherweight and lightweight, a man who has five title fight wins in one championship and is a prolific knockout artist. Please welcome Martin, the situation, Nguyen. Yes, my guy. How long did it take you to practice that? Um, was that was that just a one-off? I wrote it. I wrote it yesterday. I did an interview with Mike Mallet earlier today. Yeah. So so we just did a quick little refresher, and then we were good to go. Nice professional man. My first question is: You fought in featherweight and lightweight, which are any fighter that goes up and down. Much respect for them because that is what MMA is all about: it's about pushing yourself and. You've claimed gold in both divisions, so I want to ask you: What do you th- what do you think's the harder division, featherweight or lightweight? Uh definitely lightweight because I naturally walk around um, just like a smaller. So uh, at the time when I did fight for the lightweight title, my opponent uh, on fight day he was weighing in at seventy nine kilos, and I was only like seventy one and a half. So he had like eight and a half kilos on me, uh, eight kilos on me. So I definitely felt the power. I was a bit naive, a um, bit, bit egotistic when I went into that fight, but I um, uh, definitely felt the difference for sure. What fight are you most proud of in your whole career? Uh, the fight that I'm most proud of in my career was my first world title win against Murat Gafarov. Um, coming back after losing four, in 41 seconds against him, my first ever career loss. Um, and so winning six six fights back to back, and I finally got my chance to redeem myself. And what better way to top it off uh, for a world title was, uh, um, yeah, that was my most favorable fight. But you just said that you thought your first title fight was was the biggest accomplishment out of your career, even though you went on to have success for a very long time, was the longest reigning featherweight champion in one champ history. So. Is the first one always the hardest, do you think, for a fighter? Definitely, man. It's a huge step up as well. And, you know, you always have that stigma of after losing, you know, 41 seconds, um, coming back and, um, you know, proving all the doubt is wrong. I was a 10 to 1 underdog coming into that fight. So just a lot of emotions, a lot of um, doubters uh, that were on my back. And, yeah, that one kind of hit the spot when I... um, when my hand was raised. Did your friends uh, bet on you and did they cash out a lot? They did, they did. One of them did and um, he only bet 50, but that 50 got him uh, 500. So that was pretty good. Good return on investment. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I want to ask you about seeing that you were an Australian featherweight champion. Another Australian featherweight champion uh, in a different promotion in the UFC is Alexander Volkanovsky. I want to ask you, what do you think about him, his skills, and how he's um, performed in the sport and his accomplishments? Yeah, he's transitioned from rugby league to um, the the cage. Uh, it's not easy transition at all, but, um, you know, Alex is professional. He's obviously pound for pound, the best in the world for a reason. He's very disciplined, and he doesn't he doesn't need anyone's um, approval to do anything. He, he, gets, he goes out there, he works hard, and he gets it done. And um, that's that's the one thing that I, I took when I um, went and trained with him. Uh, his discipline and his uh, hard work ethic uh, definitely rubbed off on me. Names like Farjank Jenkins and Jack de la Madalena and now Whitaker, they're all big Australian fighters that are getting 
um, massive pops from the crowd. People are getting behind them. They want them to win belts. Um, they're very skilled fighters. You've been in the game for a while. What do you think about Australian MMA? Is it in the best spot it's ever been? Of course, yes, definitely. I, I think even five to ten years ago, it had been in the best spot. You know, we, we've we've got huge pioneers that we uh, we used to look up to, and we still look up to these days. Whitaker's still up there. Volkanovski is still pound for pound one, uh, number one. We've got huge, um, huge Australian rankings coming up through the ranks now, uh, whether it be uh, Jack Jenkins, Medellina, Kulabau, uh, Malaki, the whole bunch of us. So there's a, there's a lot of guys um, on the Australian scene that are you know busting through the um, the circuit and making it worldwide, uh, international. So I couldn't be any more proud um, to be a part of this scenario. Yeah, um, I totally forgot about uh, Josh Kulibau. That is a sleeper fighter that people are not really giving the respect. But if he continues to win as he does, uh, they're going to know about him very soon. Definitely, definitely. He's um, I, I think by the end of this year uh, or by next year, he cracked. He'll crack top ten for sure. I want to ask you about um your win when you won the lightweight belt, when you won the second belt. Um, that's my favorite knockout of your whole career because he was halfway through uh spinning back kick and and you connected him with a perfect perfect punch. And I want to tell the viewers at home, even though um. You're a fighter. I want to. I want to make reference to the fact how professional you were in that moment, because you you grabbed him and you held his hand after you knocked him out. I want to ask you, what did that moment mean to you as a martial artist to show another man that much respect after being in the cage with him? Yeah, it's just uh, showing compassion. You know, um, Edward's my friend, and I didn't want to fight him in that fight um and i knew he, i was in la with him when he won the title and i was like man i can't wait we're talking about it i can't wait to uh get my own title shot and i was on my my win streak from there and he was he just beat in shinya yoki and i was like man congratulations i was so happy for him ecstatic for him and then i said i, I don't want, i don't want to fight you man like i don't want to fight you at all but they're offering me to fight i didn't want to want to go up to lightweight i wanted to go down to bantamweight because i had weighed much lighter for my world title um, win against Murat. And they offered the lightweight title, so I only had uh, what is it, six weeks to try to gain as much weight as possible. And I said to him, "Look, I don't want to fight you, but this is this is the fight they offered me." And he goes, "That he was the one that initiated and said we're martial artists and we got to do what we we got to do what we got to do." So I kind of took that as like not disrespectful, but I, I just like our friendship uh, was kind of put on hold. And when I fought him, and after I I knocked him out, and you know just. I felt like I accomplished my dream of becoming a two-division world champion, but at the cost of our friendship. And, you know, um, that 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 was one thing that, uh, yeah, I just... Everyone said it was fake and that, but, man, I, I felt bad. I really, really felt bad. But uh, I guess jobs had to be done. Had jobs had to be done and fighters had to fight and provide for our family, I guess. So, yeah. One of your best wins is, in my opinion, against Christian Lee. Now, he's 24, he's very young, and um, I just want to ask you about what do you think about his championship reign, and do you see him going to the UFC later on in his career because he hasn't even hit his prime yet and he's an amazing fighter? Yeah, definitely. Christian Lee has, um, he's one of those fighters now that's matured in the sport. 
I got him um, early early maturity where he was killing through uh, his early pro days and taking out all the contenders. So I fought him there and I um, I stopped. I was the first person to ever stop him. And then, um, so I was the only one that ever beat him. His first two losses, anyway. Uh, one of them was the disqualifications, but he was like completely dominating that fight. But um, yeah, just fighting Christian in general, he's obviously he was young. Uh, he's still growing. Um, I really doubt we'd ever meet again because he's at, at the time when he was growing, he was that same the same weight. But now he's grown up and he's like much much bigger and much. Uh, much stronger now, so um, yeah. What he's doing, man. I think Christian is one of the pound for pound best in the world right now, and what he's uh, and he hasn't even hit his prime yet. So, so with Christian, seeing that um, he hasn't hit his prime, what do you think about him up against UFC uh, fighters at the at the peak of the sport in championship fights? What, do you see that happening in the future? Um, if it does, so uh, man, I wish him all the best. I, I think he's got all the credentials and all the talent to take on the best in the world. Um, I, I, I put him among one of my probably top 10, top five guys that I, th- I think that would uh, excel in the sport. Um, I think at the moment they just got a lot going on, but once Christian's back, he'll be another dominant champion again. So, yeah. What inspired you to get into MMA? Um, it was just to lose weight, dude. I started jiu-jitsu. I got married. Um, I had my first. Uh, we had our first son. I got married. I was home, eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep, work. I got I got a bit overweight. I was walking around about 85, 86 kilos, um, and I started off jujitsu just to lose weight. I, I had just finished um, my rugby league career, and um, I just wanted to, you know, just train, just to lose weight, just to maintain strength uh, or my athleticism anyway. And then, yeah, the jiu-jitsu side just took off and I started doing comps and competing against other people. And um, one thing led to another. I went from jiu-jitsu to Muay Thai to MMA. Would you uh, go back to jiu-jitsu comps uh, after you retire from MMA? Man, of course, definitely. I I, want to even do jiu-jitsu comps now, but it's just the fact of um, uh, risking injury before bouts and I I can't afford that, you know. with the jiu-jitsu comps here, you don't, you don't get paid for it. So the, with the MMA bouts, I can't. I, I actually get paid and that's how, what feeds my family. And so when my career is over, I'll definitely be um, competing in more jiu-jitsu comps. Uh, for the viewers at home, I want them to know that I believe you train at Killcliffe. So um, what's that like training with people like Kamara Usman and Gilbert Burns? Do you get to talk to them a lot? Yeah, so everyone, like we're at, the team at Killcliffe, we're one big family. You know, there's no, there's no cliques. There's no, um, uh, this country stays over there and this country stays over there. We're all one big family. And even if you don't speak English, there's always a translator there and there's, you kind of connect in a way through MMA. And, um, you know, everyone speaks the same language there. So uh, at Killcliffe, it's more family orientated. Um, and I'm blessed to even, you know, be considered as part of the gym. You know, the, these guys are like the, considered one of the best gyms in the world and um to be a part of that is uh is an honor but um yeah just the the, the world-class coaches you know they 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 lay the foundation there for us uh us students and so we're blessed to have um coaches like henry hoof greg jones Corey peacock 
Then we've got uh, Saeed there now uh, and Didier. Man, there's Nick, Coach Nick Lance. Um, Nick Lance is a pioneer in the UFC. Now he's uh, gone into coaching. And then we have like the guys that lead the crew, like Gilbert Burns and all that. So these guys, when, they, when they're not fighting and Angla and that, they're, they're, they're kind of coaching the younger guys and the younger generations coming through the ranks. And there's a lot of killers out of that gym that no one has even heard of that are going to be huge superstars. And so um, I can't wait until they get their break and then um, say that I trained with those guys. So, yeah. That's that's wonderful. I actually didn't know that Nick Lentz is um, coaching at Kilcliffe. Um, he's... Um... He's, he's, he's a fighter that's been around. He's one of those guys that a lot of people don't know about, but hopefully in, in the record books, when people look back, they'll see he's an absolute pioneer and get the appreciation that he deserves. Uh, he's a killer, man. Even to this day, he's sparring with all the, the, um, the young killers going, going up. And even with the heavyweights, he's still sparring. He's still going. And he's like, you know, you can't take the old dog out of you, man. He's, he's still killing everybody. <laughs> He waits, dude. He's he's crazy, man. He's crazy. That's great. Most knowledgeable coach, one of the most most knowledgeable coach in MMA that I've ever met. Anyway, and I'm blessed to learn under him. Fighters like Benil Dariush say that they don't lift weights at all, and um, some jujitsu guys say that they don't they don't do any strength conditioning unless they're grappling or just calisthenics. So, what do you do for strength and conditioning for MMA? Yeah, so doc, Dr. Corey Peacock, uh, he's got a PhD in sports science. He sends me programs and he keeps me um, on my strength condition. I, I never really believed in lifting weights and, you know, the movements and all that stuff until, you know, I, I started dropping weight and I started versing guys in different weight divisions that were just more, like, so much stronger than me. And so I, I started picking up the weights more and started using utilizing different movements um to implement it in like throughout mma what you would use it through mma and i feel like it's it's been uh so much better for my body uh preventing injuries and less injuries and um yeah i, I strongly believe in strength conditioning man that's a that's a must when it comes to you know high high performance sports like ours an, an absolute necessity in the world of mma mental resilience is paramount what do you do? What mental tricks do you do to get yourself fight ready? There's no mental tricks, man. It's just, you just got to be real to yourself. If you're going to be ready, you're going to be ready. If you're not ready, you can't tell yourself that you're going to be ready and you're not, you're not hundred percent there. You know, you just got to be honest with yourself. Um, and you, you just got to be true to yourself. So if I'm preparing for a fight, I can't think that I'm better than, you know, any other fighter that's preparing to fight me, you know, they're doing, they're going to be doing their best no matter what to, to prepare for the best Martin Nguyen. And I, I got to think the same. I got to be the best Martin Nguyen that I can be that is going to fight the next opponent. And so um, there's no tricks. I know there's people that motivate you and there's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, say that I do this for, I do this for myself and all that stuff. But for me, Realistically, I look at my family, and this is what provides uh, food on the table, and this is what gives them the better um, future. And so, I get myself mentally prepared that way through my family, get the strength through them, and I gotta be true to myself. And if I'm gonna be ready before a date, then I'll be I'll be ready. If not, then I'll just say I can't fight on that date. We'll push it to a later date, and I'll be 100% ready. I would like to ask you, seeing that seeing that every single fighter has a different um, life in the sport. 
some people like Nick Lentz will never stop. Some people like Jim Miller never stop. Mm. I want to ask you, seeing that you're 34 now, I believe, how long do you think you'll be fighting for? Well, um, thankfully enough for me, I, I, I've been dishing out more damage than I've been copying. And so I feel that like my fight IQ is up there to pre- prevent me from getting hit a lot. And so in saying that, I just signed a, um, a new contract with one championship, six-fight deal two and a half years to three years and this will be my last contract and so in saying that whether uh, I go for this last last minute title run um, or not this will be my last one and you know it's time to, it's time to move forward you're talking about that title run but I would like to make reference to the first one that I that I referenced before which was a thousand one hundred and sixty seven days or something um, where you held the featherweight belt do you think even though you're humble do you believe that you're the most accomplished featherweight champion in one history? Yeah, I, I'd say I'm the most dominant um, featherweight champion at the time. And I still believe that I still have the assets and the skills to beat all these guys. It's just a matter of making sure that I'm ready. And if I am if I fight on my terms and I'm, I'm fighting when I'm 100% ready, then I can beat anyone in the world. And in saying that, um, this is why I signed this last contract, you know, uh, to make that one last title run and prove all the doubters wrong once again (laughs) for fighters that are emerging what piece of advice do you think is the most critical um piece of advice you can give them to succeed in mixed martial arts for me the one advice i'll give to any emerging mma athletes or guys that want to um pursue a career in mixed martial arts is you got to be true to yourself every single time um you gotta be disciplined. You gotta want it when, when you don't want it. Uh, you gotta be uh, doing stuff that your body says that it doesn't want to do in a day. So that you're gonna have, you're gonna have more shit days than you're gonna have good days. And going through these shit days uh, is what's gonna make you a build character. And that character is what's gonna, you know, carry you as a human on onto this journey. You know. So and so in saying that guys that are coming through be true to yourself to the fact that it's going to be a grueling sport and it's not all um, butterflies and flowers um, dig deep stay disciplined and um, you know uh, have fun that's the main thing you were talking about the fact that when you cut down to um, featherweight you actually cut lower than the 145 pound limit so what is your weight cut like how much do you struggle with your weight cut and uh can you just run us through that yeah so at the time of fighting for the um the first world title with one championship there is no weight cut technically uh, you gotta walk in at your um with the, with the, re- with the rehydration policy yeah yeah, yeah yeah so um with that one that fight against Murat, i walked in at like 69 kilos i was walking around where i was waking up at like 68 even and that's what brought on the the challenge to go man if I can diet a bit more, give me a bit more time, but if I can diet a bit more and get down to 66, I would fight Bibiana for that title. And so they went the opposite way and made me gain more weight. And so um, I eventually did get that uh, that chance to fight Bibiana at 66 kilos after winning the, the two belts. And I lost a split decision to him. Um, and I was, I'm still a bit dirty, but... Um, you know, it's it's uh, I gained a new friend in Bibiano, and that's a that's one guy that you want to 
you know, having your life as well. He's, he's full of wisdom and full of, um, you know, positive attitude and, you know, that, that there can uh, uplift you uh, throughout this journey. And so um, shout out to Bibiana. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, that, that weight that I uh, walked in against Marat, it was like 69 kilos. And so me naturally walking around off camp now, I'm a bit heavier, I'm about 74 kilos. But when I'm in fight camp and have eight weeks to prepare, um, I'm usually walking in about uh, 70 kilos, 155, easy. So you spoke about that split decision loss. Um, you probably rewatched that fight multiple times. So do you think the judges might have, he only edged you just a little bit or do you agree with the decision? Um, I, only, I would only agree with the decision because of my stupidity of having my hands down in that last round. And that last knockdown that he gave me was probably what, busted it over the line for him other than that I still thought that other than that knockdown I, I still had a bit of a lead in the striking department um, he couldn't take me down and wrestle with me at all and so I felt like um, yeah damage wise as well I split him open pretty bad as well uh, and yeah just it is what it is um, I, I take it I embrace it I take the L and I learn from it so uh, what's the biggest misconception you believe of the viewers at home on like fighters um they were all thugs they were all bullies um that you know we haven't got a kind soul in us at all and all we want to do is just see look at violence <laughs> that's a big misconception for sure a lot of us are family men um just doing something that we love doing and um, something that we're good at um because you know this if this sport was easy man everyone would be doing it you know um and so we're the we're the one percenters that do it and um we get portrayed different, you know? And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big misconception because, you know, I'm a family man. I haven't, I haven't had a street fight since, you know, I was 13 years old. Um, and so it's been over 20 years since I've ever had a street fight at all. And I don't condone it at all. And yeah, it's just, just completely different to what, uh, you know, the older generation portrays us. <laughs> what, who is your favorite combat sport athlete me uh my yeah. favorite sport athlete would be uh Anglan Sung for sure he, he comes to fight he comes to fight and I'm not I, I might be biased because I, I know the guy is like my brother but um I, I genuinely look up to him he's a great family man he's a, a great man of God and you know he does the right things to provide for his family and um you know when he comes to fight as well he always puts on a show and that's what we want you know what do you think um, you've you've spoken to him first uh, firsthand? The one championship CEO Chatri. Uh, what what would you say about his character? He's a hustler and um, definitely, definitely, definitely got uh, a lot of compassion and integrity inside of him. I speak to him a lot, um, and he's he's you know he's paved the way for my family and I um, in this sport. And so, man, he's. He's a man of his word, definitely. Um, and so when you speak to him, you would only understand. Um, if you're looking from the outside, you know that he hustles, he does whatever. He keeps, he keeps, um, you know, evolving and getting better and better uh, throughout this company. And um, whatever he's doing now, man, it's just, it's just the start. He has, um, he's really paved the way with just different combat sports in one. Um one event i really enjoy watching the jiu-jitsu that goes to the muay thai that goes back straight to mma i think i think that's the future of um the sport in general like combat sports in general and i think he really 
um, pioneered that. So that being said, with uh, boxing, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu and MMA, what is your favorite division to watch across the board? Uh, across the whole thing, I'd, uh, I like to watch... Um, I don't watch much fights uh, all the time, but when I do watch, obviously the guys in my division, obviously to see who who will be my next potential opponents. Um, but I love I love watching the the lightweight, uh, sorry, the featherweight kickboxing division. That there has got so much talent in it, and you know these guys have been around for ages, from Chingiz to Marat to Superbond to all these guys that are straight killers, and we've still got. You know, uh, Georgia Petrosian, if he ever comes back, man, that guy's a goat. And so, in saying that, that's, that's my, my favorite thing in one championship to watch. I think the kickboxing in general. I've, I've got a question about uh, what, for the fans at home. Why should they watch your fights? Why would, they, why would they watch my fights? Um, look, I always come to fight. I always come to put on a show, whether it be me getting beat up or me doing the beating up. Um, I always come to fight and I always go out of my shield uh, no matter what. And so in saying that, uh, you know the purpose of why I do this sport. I, I do it for my family. I do it for myself. I do it to be the best I can be. Um, that builds character. And when I'm in that, the, the character comes out. You know, I try to fight my heart out and get that victory. Thank you, viewers at home, for watching. That's all we have time for. Thank you very much, Martin, for coming on to the podcast. Uh, would you like to plug anything before we end? Uh, shout out to my wife. Shout out to One Championship uh, and the guys that supported me. Thank you so much. Follow Martin Nguyen on Instagram. Link in the description and subscribe to Anything Combat on YouTube. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you.